This episode of Verbal Tap brought to you by NogiBJJGear.com. Use the promotional code of VerbalTap15 to get 15% off of your order. Do it! It is time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier from outside the cage, um, especially because usually there's like a clear definitive winner of the podcast, and it's me. But with me, as always, Rafa Sparza. Raf, how are you? Wait, does that mean get the loser of the podcast? <laughs> hey, that's exactly the type of low uptake a loser would have. No, yes, that is what I was kind of trying to hint at, but it just it didn't roll out well. Well, the winner of this podcast actually did his homework, watched multiple hours of grappling, produced multiple fight companions over the weekend, and is still here booking guests. And if I might pat myself on the back, booked a hell of a one from last week, also this week. We'll get to him in a second. Kevin, where should people go shop right now? People should go shop at nogibjjgear.com. There is no better place to get your World Wildlife Foundation rash guard. There is no better place to look like you are in a black tuxedo while you're rolling because it's a gentle human's game. Uh, plus kittens, Raf. No gi. BJJgear.com. Verbal tap 15. Verbal tap 15. Did I get yep, the code right that, this time? I was so close you, last time. I was. I forgot the did. 15. It's an amateur <laughs> move. 50, verbal tap 50 to get 50% off whatever is in your cart. Anyway, all right, let's get to the guest. So, how do we introduce him? Hmm. I would like to call him champion. God of all. He is. He's the champion. He now has the rights to Vinny Magalhaes' leg on his mantle. The man owns everything. They race for pink slips, Raph. That's what I heard. Yeah, no. Um, the internet might have otherwise to say about him. But we're going to reflect what should be said, is that I'm going to say this first, and then I'll stop with my niceties. But this was in no way this man's fault. What happened? And Kevin right now is, I believe, watching what transgressed. So I don't want to fully spoil everything, but it cray. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show one Mason Fowler. Mason, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> Good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. So have you ever experienced an internet backlash like this ever in your life? No. And actually what I was thinking is like, I feel bad for some of these guys that have like the whole internet coming after them. Like, uh, when something goes viral, because, uh, it definitely sucks to get like that negativity. Um, Luckily, most of it, I would say 95% of it is directed at the ref. Mm -hmm. um, but there definitely was some negativity between. But it's all good. I mean, it comes with it comes with the job, you know. Anyone that uh, competes for a living or um, any kind of uh, kind of like puts themselves out there, they're opening themselves up for criticism. So. Uh, win or lose, I've, I've felt there's always going to be like critics. There's always going to be like haters or people that are, uh, against you. 
Um, I've, I've experienced it before. So uh, definitely this is the most that I've gotten like at once, but it's, it's to be expected. Was it the job? Kind of. I mean, I understand that's a good perspective to have about it, but the internet is a weird place of very sad souls who, when they feel upset about it sometimes, don't know how to direct their hate. So, Oh, you like passed his I guard see... a little bit for a second. Sorry, I'm at 4.30. I'm just yeah. uh, I'm waiting for yeah. 4.20 to toke up and enjoy some more. <laughs> Kevin's making his way through the event that he missed right now. But it's okay. He's doing his, his homework right as the class is going on. Mason, though, for me, the reason why it's so hilarious is, is that when you see somebody put like a clown face over your face w- holding the championship, all I could think of is, what did you do to necessitate that? Like... At what point in trying to win did you look at somebody and go, yes, please make this as convoluted as possible for me to win? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I reshared that one. I actually thought that one was funny. I don't mind, like, I don't mind the memes and, and uh, some of the comments. Like, some of the people, even if they're talking shit, like, some of them are funny, man. Like, those don't bother <laughs> me. It's like the ones that are like, go fucking kill yourself terrible like those are the ones that's like ah that hurts <laughs> but the ones that are like legit funny I, I mean i can laugh at myself too oh good you don't seem too rattled by it and this is a good lesson for the kids out there take a mason fowler approach maybe it's because he just escaped a leg attack from craig jones and he's feeling cocky like, perhaps the internet trolls wouldn't be able to put him in a compromising position. That's just my hunch, Raph. I mean, the hard part is that, Kev, I, I think that you're coming up on at least just the fun part of the actual match. So, well, so far the match ask... has had some grappling in it, so I appreciate that. That's kind yes. of fun. Now, now, Kevin, before I ask Mason his interpretation of the events... Since you kind of have an idea something happened. Can I tell you what I saw? You don't know what happened, but I'm Uh -uh. interested to hear what you think happened. Okay. I saw Craig Jones verbal taps, but not a real verbal tap. And all I I could think of was I could kiss whoever wrote this article. Could you write verbal (laughs) tap 21 more times? Because if people Google Craig Jones verbal tap, I assure you something else is popping up. So it's an interesting, I, all I was thinking was, what the shit did Mason do that he somehow won, but has gotten vitriol and, but I, but I, to your point, Mason, it wasn't you that got vitriol. I saw it, it was basically the decision. So I just kind of originally was like, oh, I wonder if he got like need in the bees as in you got need, Mason. Like, I thought it was like a, a disqualification of some kind, but it doesn't seem like that's what it was. So I'm quite eager to hear what unfolded because when I saw verbal tap, but it was a, a wrongful verbal tap, I was like, boy, we should have named the show Wrongful Verbal Tap. If only we could go back. Now, before I let Mason respond here, I have to tell him, and we have to be totally forthcoming here, this was a very complicated issue for us. Because as it was happening, I had a lot of thoughts that went through my head. The first was, oh, I don't want it to end like this. So the second thought was, oh, maybe I do. Because verbal tap's good for us. Oh, shit, Mason's coming back on the show this week. I mean, I could have estimated something was going to happen. 
but I didn't think this was going to happen. You're welcome. So, <laughs> I guess the good news is um, you did end up being champ. So with that in mind, Mason, tell us, I guess, guess where, start wherever you want to go. Tell us your recollection of the events that transgressed at Submission Underground 16. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's one really good point that Chael made uh, that I can repeat here. And the point that he made was that because of COVID and there not being any fans in the arena, it was like dead quiet in there. Um, so honestly, when, when he was making whatever noise that he made, um, it sounded a lot louder probably because it was so quiet. Like everyone, everyone in the back, all the producers, the cameramen, everyone, like all the competitors that were warming up and well, no one else was warming up because it was the main event, but all the competitors that had already competed, uh, like at the rules meeting, they asked us to be really quiet while the matches are going on. Uh, and the reason why is because they're not supposed to have uh, too many people in the room because of the state laws, you know, uh, in mm -hmm. Portland, it, it hasn't been cleared for them to do any kind of events yet. So um, Go I, I thought that was a really good point, man. Like, I think that I think that if there was a crowd and people were were talking and cheering or whatever, um, the the noises wouldn't have probably came off as as loud as they were. So, um, yeah. so that's kind of one perspective that. But what that, uh, noise? I that I thought was kind of interesting. What were you kind of doing, and um, what did you hear? Did you feel like it was a tap? I mean, and it's okay to. It's in that moment. I mean, we have replay. No, in the moment, definitely. I mean, when when you're competing, you're like, like there's so many things going through your head. You're you're trying to figure out like how you're going to win this match. You know, like especially in jujitsu, it's like it's a puzzle that you're trying to solve. Um, so definitely like when I'm, when I'm hearing that, I'm like, Oh, sh this is, you know, that's like my, my way to win. But, uh, he, he was definitely making like, I wouldn't call it a screen. He called it a grunt. Um, I guess that would be a better way to describe it. It was definitely, it was like, ah, uh, and, and after the match, he said it was more due to the body triangle than, than me turning his face. Um, so that's, I mean, you got to trust his word on that. He's the one that was, you know, feeling it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a weird thing that transpired because, like in in any IBJJF tournament or you know any like smaller local tournaments, it's it's pretty well known that like when you're in a submission, you're not supposed to make any kind of noise. You know, any kind of noise can be counted as a verbal tap. But with that being said, um, there are other tournaments like ADCC doesn't count any kind of noise as a verbal tap besides you screaming the word tap. So do they um, say it, that? It just it, do, our ADCC rules. They're like you better scream this one word. Yeah, you can scream in pain and have your arm being broken, and they're supposed to let it go. That explains. What, uh, I believe. Oh my God! That explains some cyborg said. matches. Sorry, I keep overlapping you, but cyborg was screaming. Go on. Yeah. No. So, I don't know, man. It's. Uh, it's kind oh, of. Oh, you won! That... Hold on! Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna interrupt you. Hey, 
Okay, I so know, like, ooh, interesting. At the same time, I definitely would have liked to have a definitive win. Obviously, like the competitor in me, I've been waiting to get the Craig match for a while. Like the match at ADCC, like I talked to you guys about that. It it, it was rough having to sit back and reflect on that match, thinking that like I kind of like almost had it in the bag, uh, lost the match. So it's been a long time coming. And then now it's like, I won, but it's now it's with all the controversy. Uh, so definitely wanted to get like uh, a clean, decisive win. Um, but at the end of the day, man, look, it's better than me uh, being in a wheelchair right now and getting my yell for it. Well, I was going to ask, I so kind of like, want to throw this at Raph. I'm curious because Raph's maybe, Raph and I both always have an interesting sort of media perspective here. Raph, do you... Do you think this is best case scenario, worst case scenario, middle? Where where do you think? Because I think I have a take on this. So I was watching it on air, and we cut a little clip of me doing it. And my immediate first reaction was, as a pro wrestling fan, there's always money in the rematch. So all I could think of as I was watching it live was, oh, this works out great for everyone. This is going to mean that we need to do another match. And... I don't know what your feelings are. I'll get this in a second from you, Mason. But I think this is one of the rare times that we could maybe parlay Submission Underground into stopping this nonsensical five minutes for you guys. And I'm talking like in the same way that the UFC gives a five-round fight for the main event and for championship fights that we can maybe get some more time on the clock because more often than not, for the main events or for the bigger guys, you see that they don't really do a ton in those five minutes, which means we go to overtime, which means nobody feels great about it. And then if nobody feels great about overtime, they sure as fuck don't feel great when they see a ref make a call that I guess on paper was written down and they showed those rules that said, hey – Anything happens is a verbal tap that you make as a noise. I would just say that, Mason, I want to get your thoughts. Would you be interested in another time limit? Like, in your brain, what is the best case scenario for a rematch? Which, by the way, you did say you want to run it back to be fair to Craig. And I thought that was great of you. Yeah, so, I mean, ideally for me... Uh, the match would have been ADCC rules originally, you know, because that's that was the rule set that our first match took place. Um, and then also, I think if you're looking at odds, uh, even rule set with the five minute regulation and the EBI overtimes, I was like a seven to one underdog. Um, and I think if we had an ADCC match, I don't think I would be a seven to one underdog. I think the line would be a lot closer. Um, and the reason why is just because looking at both of our skill sets, uh, I think that I have a little bit more of an advantage on um, scoring. And then he definitely has uh, more experience and, and probably a bigger advantage on any kind of sub only rule set, you know? So honestly, if I had my way, it would be uh, probably another ADCC rule set. If I really wanted to turn the favors more uh, towards myself, it would be more of like IBJJF, but, but obviously I, I don't think that would ever happen. Um, yeah, uh, for me, the best best case scenario would be ADCC or like I think I showed that I have the ability to to play smart and and maybe 
pull off a win, even if even if the verbal tap uh, didn't happen the way that it did, I think that I still was in a good position to win the match. So, so yeah, I'm I'm okay with the rules how they are. Um, if Submission Underground came to me and said, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do," um, I mean, I wouldn't say no. They they they're gonna pay. I mean, they're paying me really well. They already told me what the the next match is gonna be. So, it's pretty much up to them at this point. Well, it's good when you're king that you get that opportunity because I know as it was winning 10 K was great. So if you're saying the pay is nice, then okay. Now I would say to you, I would say to you this, and I'm happy for you on that. Um, the thing that really pissed me off about the situation is, is that, and, and you alluded to it in what you were just saying right there is that I was really angry that you didn't get the credit for how you were playing the overtime, which is, yeah, okay, if people wanted to say he wasn't tapping, that didn't look comfortable. And I felt like the way that you were starting to work off of the back was really, really solid. And I thought that your your switching of uh, the arms in between, you, you showed Shale that as well. Um, you know, I thought that was an unfortunate thing that you didn't get to get as a true uh, compliment to your technique. But he's not just going to make a noise if you're not doing something right yeah and then um that is a good rule for love making also i just want to state that (laughs) for the record if your partner never mind different my bad um what i was gonna say is i don't know i haven't seen every one of uh craig's submission underground matches but Mm -hmm. the ones that i did watch i don't remember um any of his opponents ever escaping his first back take he usually finishes everyone in the first round of the overtime um so that's one more thing too that i think a lot of people missed was that i was able to escape um and then even before the verbal tap happened i i had racked up a decent amount of um control time on him too so i want to throw a few things at you who knows what would have happened you know because I agree with the premise, and Raph's pointing out some really interesting things about the match to me. So that's that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with one. I'm impressed by your ability to escape his leg attacks and his attacks in general. Because he throws some really wicked triangles you got out of that. You were interested in fighting, which, back to your point, most of his submission underground matches, I think it ends in that first overtime match because that's the strategy for, with his opponents. Can I avoid getting into yeah, exactly. a, a grappling match with him long enough to make it to overtime? Because I think it just feels better on the ego. I know it feels better on the ego. The second thing I'm going to say to you is, and I, obviously enough people listen to this podcast that somebody might be like, hey, way to take some advice. And if that's the case, great. I'm now in your corner. I picked your Pikachu and, you know, F Craig Jones. He was he, That's yesterday's news. I'm moving on to what's next. This is a small example of what I think you should do. I think you should go the other way. Love your humility so far. You're like, he gets a rematch, but I think you should be like, you know, after a few days, I think he did tap. F him. They're going to have to make it worth my while to take on some sloppy thirds. So don't be afraid to get (laughs) get a little braggadocious because I think this is the best case scenario for a grappling match right now. Because number one, it's a good match. It, It just is. But number two, the underdog wins in a weird way. Excellent. Excellent news. That's a way more interesting storyline than you just really kind of finished the choke. 
I mean, that's the best one for you, but in this, I mean, maybe we'll see what the payday looks like for the rematch. Cause that's where I, I just wouldn't be afraid if you're like, you know, what would a used car salesman do to get maybe one more zero attached? Start giving, start giving your man Craig a little bit of the business. Yeah, I, I heard. Uh, I think I heard you say say something, mention that before, maybe on the last podcast. So, and, uh, I don't yeah, know, that... I just to me, it, it wouldn't be genuine, you know. Like, I'm perfect. Not, I'm not jail. <laughs> I, I couldn't play that that bad guy heel. Damn it! Uh, if if I did it, it would come off. I'd be like the Colby Covington of grappling. You know what I mean? Where everyone just, just like knows it's fake. <laughs> well, please don't put on so, a MAGA yeah, hat like while we're doing it. That, yeah, it's just not me, you know. Well, I tried. I believe Raph. it was I tried. Josh uh, Starlord, the Duke, that said it as we did the fight companion. Because at the end of the clip, Josh seemed to suggest going off of my pro wrestling riff. He was like, "If I were him, I'd take a page out of Chael's book." And just wear the the belt and say like I, I made you scream like a little bitch and uh, <laughs> run with that. And his I is meaner to, than mine. I like his though. I do like the uh, <laughs> that is a good Chael anger line. There's just not much more that will ever compliment Chael than to see a derivative of his work. And Mason, if you ever feel like you would be inauthentic as a shit talker. You have two people here who would write your material for you, and it would be a million times better than anybody in the grappling world. You would make me laugh pretty hard if you pulled a crumpled piece of paper out of your shorts and were like, how about that flight in? Craig Jones sucks, eh? <laughs> but we'll work on it. Now, you're uh, this was a good fight for you, and I think this is a great ending because you're going to get another one. But... I, I'm going to make this point to both of you, and this is unassailable. Of course, because we have no other real sports, and this is one of the most interesting grappling moments we've had um, of 2020, in like a year, when we're just looking back at your record, Mason, no one's going to remember how it ended. It's just going to say Craig Jones verbal tap. Yeah, no, for sure. That's like the little kind of i guess icing on top of the cake is that i will have the win on my record um but like deep down i'll know you know like deep down i, I won't be satisfied with okay it. so do you do i'm actually interested here you do feel a little uns. it sounds like you feel a little unsatisfied and that's you're a competitor i kind of get it but to me i'm i'm kind of hearing the scream the ref makes the decision it's not it's not really your bad fights ends it's your hands raised sorry to, that's the game um, but it sounds like you're kind of still maybe not feeling that way. You know what it is? It's just like, I remember how I felt after ADCC and, uh, and I know that that's how Craig feels right, right now. And like, Craig's a good dude, you know? So oh, like, yeah. I, I kind of feel bad in that aspect. It, it's worse. It's, I mean, it sucks when you lose, uh, and it's justified, but when you could chalk it up to like, I've lost before and I was just like, man, he was just better than me need to like get back to work like you can swallow that but it's uh, you lay up thinking uh at night you know you can't sleep thinking about it on the times where you feel that that you got robbed so i know i know it probably sucks for him that's why it's like uh we got to do the third one and just uh make it right you know so did you guys exchange words and if so what did you guys say to each other um uh not nothing really in depth just uh 
he said, uh, he said, hey, hey, mate, can you can you tell Kyle to give you the damn black belt? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it. I'm going to guess you will not be saying that to Kyle. I don't know. Maybe you'll pass along the message, but. I say it to him every day. Like, hey, man, are, are we doing promotions anytime soon or what? Oh, see, I cannot figure you out. Won't talk a little smack on beating Craiger's ass with the verbal tap, but gives Kyotera a little <laughs> noise. I have, I cannot no, figure no, this no, one no. out. I can't. No, you can't. You can't say nothing to Kyle, man. He's. I already told you guys last time. He's like, he's the king of roasting people. So, yeah, I'm just joking, but. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, I was going to be like, I fear for my life when I watch that man grapple. It just pop right out of your pocket <laughs> no, yeah. and choke Kyle, you. Kyle's the one guy that you don't want to really talk trash to. It won't end well. Well, if that's the case, why can't you just bribe him with some candy? I'm pretty sure if you unload a truckload of really sugary things, at some point he'd have to give in. Yeah, that's my best shot at probably getting promoted is I think candy. So. Well, it was nice, though. At one point, they credentialed you as a 10th planet, or not a 10th planet, but a, as a black belt. A EBI overtime fighter. Oh, no. Uh, I, I saw people saying, like, oh, Fowler's an EBI OT fighter. What did you think he was going to do? <laughs> and it's like, this is my first time ever competing in, in EBI overtime. <laughs> I've never done EBI overtime before. I, I didn't see that critique, but that's very funny. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe they last... just assume because of ADCC. I don't know. I don't know. I've also, yeah, I don't know. What did you also see? Because I was going to ask, what's one of the most ridiculous things that you saw online? Like, were there any other things that caught your attention? Um, no, it, it, it's similar. Like, after ADCC, everyone was talking about my wrestling background, you know what I mean? And, like, I never wrestled, too. So it's kind of the same thing. Now I'm, like, the EBI overtime fighter. So we'll see what, what people think I am next. What a problem to have. Oh, no. They think of a wrestler now. <laughs> Fools. I didn't wrestle. Ha. Take that. Because to me, I think one of the advantages is you do have good wrestling for jiu-jitsu. So to me, I look at what you do and I say like, yeah, you could have fooled me, dude. But all things considered, when you look at some of these guys who immediately just want to go to a sit and you're the guy who wants to stand up with them, it does make you stand out a little bit. So, um, you know, credit where credit's due. So I just yeah, need two... I was going to say, too, that's one of the things about the, the sub-only um, and the EBI format, too, that kind of puts me at a little bit of a disadvantage is that pretty much my whole wrestling game is thrown out the window, and I've yeah. put a lot of time into that. Well, um, so, yeah. Yeah, like, like I said, I, I wanted the rematch with Craig, and so I, I came to this, this rule set because this is the, this is the place that he was, um, he was competing at, and this was, he, was already, he was like the uncrowned champ of uh, – submission underground before they even introduced the belt so i, mean, I just, just listen to the way they talked to him you know came up with the strategy i know exactly yeah he was like the king of uh submission underground so that's how the match even ended up in that rule set in the first place it's because i i came to him well don't forget this you can say that you won you can say that there's some bragging rights with a verbal tap but no matter what happened there's an even bigger prize, which is that for one night, Jill Sonnen stopped looking with those loving, want-to-make-out eyes with Craig Jones because he's like, well, I mean, you lost now, so... <laughs> and then started looking at you as he was asking you, like, so show me this whole thing. 
how do you do this? And I was like, oh, a new star is born. Look at this. Chael's looking at you and asking the details on how you're switching your hips and how you move uh, to keep and retain and use like an extra amount of energy that you get for the rear naked choke. So we all saw it happen. Uh, the only thing I wanted to clarify yeah, no. here. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, Chael's really cool. And, and even before this, I we, we kind of talked before on me being a really big MMA fan since I was a kid. And I can remember Chael fighting uh, Nate Marquardt and fighting Anderson Silva back in the day. So I, I've always been a huge fan of his. So it's cool that I have a little, like, you know, he kind of, like, he knows my name now. We've got a little friendship going on. So it's cool. Def does. And I guess the only thing I wanted to clarify, did you see Craig's explanation of what happened? Because he did a video where he explained his interpretation. Um, yeah. Uh, the interview with Chael right afterwards? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's how he felt. Uh, so, like I said, all we can do is uh, do it again. It sucks. I I feel bad that, that he feels robbed, so... Okay, because we'll the again. only it's thing the, that was just... I owe him. He gave me the shot, so we'll do it again. Yeah, the only thing that just seemed weird in terms of it, because I was looking at this, and I don't know, I, I, I didn't have the volume on because we were doing our thing, but the only thing that I thought stood out to me was when he said that you were pointing to the ref that it was a verbal tap one time, and then he made another noise. And then that's when they decided to call it. Is that accurate? Because I, I don't know those details. Yeah, no, I I definitely got a little excited. The the first noise that he made, I think, was louder than the second one. Mm. Um, and from my understanding, when you make a noise in a submission, it's it's a verbal tap, you know. But um, and also, I don't know if I uh, talked about this already, but Eddie Eddie commented on it too, Eddie Bravo, mm. and his opinion was that in the EBI overtimes, especially on the back, he won't count um, noises and screams as a submission. He'll let the fight go on. Um, and that's the guy that made the EBI rules. So um, I don't know, just because Submission Underground adopted those rules, uh, I don't know if they follow them exactly to the T, but EBI's verbal tap rule from the back probably different than any other tournaments or you know but uh yeah so when i when i heard that i got excited in my mind and we kind of talked about when you're in a match you're kind of you know thinking about how you're going to win and i actually like looked at the ref like verbal tap and i said verbal tap like like asking him like verbal tap and he said no keep going and i was like, all right kept going and then the second time that he made the noise the ref stopped it and then the ref said verbal tap. Well, thank you, um, because I interpreted it as you were just saying a podcast that you really enjoyed. And we're <laughs> clearly not at all hating. I had the, the attention we reaction. I was like, wow, what a time for Mason to plug us in a match where it's like, who's our favorite grappler, him or Craig <laughs> Jones? So, I don't know, but Mason's screaming verbal tap, so I guess it's him. <laughs> but here's a very nice little, uh, I guess, uh, you know, Alanis Morissette ruined the word ironic. So irony has a very strange definition, but it's a nice coincidence is that, Kevin, what 
is the bet that Craig Jones lost that he has to fulfill on this show? <laughs> like, this is this is definitely, I would have to say, a coincidence. Um, he still owes us a PSA that it is in fact called a verbal tap and not a verbal submission, and people should know that. So it's one of the bet losses from over under Kevin that if you're him, you wish you had done before any of this happened. Yeah, I think Mason might have cost me uh, seeing results on that bet. I might be able to kiss that one by, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm blaming Fowler, just so you know, and the referee, but mostly That's Fowler because that I don't know. I don't want to be in your body triangle, sir. Let me just say that. I'll take the, I'll take the blame on that one. Sorry. That, if you're making Craig scream, I can assure you I'm crying. Here's or, the good or news. Or dead. That, so that's fine. That that Craig did he did message me cuz he saw a couple of the memes we put up and all he sent to me was he was just like, "Bro." And I was like, "It's your <laughs> dumb fault." Cuz earlier and Mason, you don't know this. Earlier when he put up some sort of message about a 14-year-old Russian kid that was trying to call him out to a match or something. And I don't know exactly the details, but it was on his Instagram story. Somebody was yelling at him and accosting him. And it was the, like the day of Submission Underground. And I said, oh my God, a 14-year-old wants to have a match with you, Craig. And I was like, you know what? Let's just call it off with Mason today. Cancel that match. Get that 14-year-old kid who wants to talk shit to you. And that's the main event. And when you ended up beating him, and he sends me a note that just goes, bro. And I was like, bro, I told you to get that 14-year-old kid as the main event and don't fight Mason. So don't look at me. I tried to make something happen for you. It's your fault you lost now. I'm sure he feels better. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm very good at, at bad situations and making athletes feel better. But I think this is a wonderful opportunity to discuss, Kevin, who and what and where and when and why. So, Mason, did you watch any of the fights this weekend? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I don't know. I didn't remember all my picks, so I don't know if I'm if I won or not. Nobody ever does. Let's go top down. What did you think about Street Jesus's performance? Um, I think that he did surprisingly well for being on six days notice. Um, you can definitely tell he was exploding and then he was resting. He he would have maybe in each round like a solid minute of exploding and then he would kind of take the rest of the round off. And I think his strategy was that um, he was trying to rest until his next explosion and then hoping that he caught him on one of those explosions uh, to finish the mat or to finish the fight. Um, I so, yeah, saw him I well. I saw him load that up so many times, and every time he lunged forward, uh, credit to Usman, he he read it really quickly, and he was putting so much stock into that variation of like his Superman punch that I just kept being like, "Bro, you're not going to connect on this," and it yeah, seemed no, like for sure. he, he was trying too hard. Mm -hmm. I just yeah, felt bad because he, he was then shot. like. Uh, pressed up against the cage for the bulk of the fight. Uh, um, did you feel a little let down or how did you feel all together on that? I was the most bummed that they couldn't come to an agreement three months ago when they were negotiating. Mm -hmm. I, I was mad that it, it took Burns um, testing positive for COVID for them to make the fight because I think if they would have gave Masvidal more preparation, it would have been a, a completely different fight. Definitely more entertaining. Well, pros and cons here. 
because it's rumored, unless you're somebody in our comment section on Verbal Tap, who's like, I can't believe you guys believe these numbers. And it's like, bro, you're no one believes you. No one cares what you think. But it has been reported that this sold at 1.3 million. And if that's the case, this makes this one of the most popular pay-per-views in the ESPN Plus era, which now solidifies Jorge Masvidal as a legitimate draw. And I do believe part of that is, no offense to you, Gilbert Burns, or you, Gary Tonin, who tried to make the case that Gilbert Burns should get some acknowledgement, but Gilbert Burns versus Usman was not going to sell. I think the fact that it was such a stacked card, I think it would have done good, but definitely uh, throwing Masvidal in at the last minute, um, it's it sold way more. But I think it would have done okay. No, because there I were three fights and it was stacked. You would think that, except even with its prime pristine slot, it was not trending. And you know how it's not trending when Dana White keeps his mouth shut during fight week and doesn't tell you what it's trending like. But three days before the fight, he said it was trending like a Conor McGregor fight, which allows him to take the gas off of the whole car that is the Conor McGregor bus and now understands he's got somebody new here. We had somebody ask here, and Kevin, I'll ask you this. Does a loss hurt Masvidal as a pay-per-view draw? No, not in this particular scenario because he took it on six days' notice. If this okay. had been the scheduled fight and, and Masvidal, for, it was a decision loss, and it was a decision card. And the card matters in the context of these conversations. One, no one gave an F about Fight Island, <laughs> coverage-wise. Coverage of Fight Island, we might have done the best job covering it, which is not great, including the <laughs> UFC. Where were the Dolphins, dickheads? Not one shot of Dolphins? Fuck off. If Johnny Depp doesn't sink a ship in between you and the cage, someone's not doing their job. Hollywood shut down. Call someone, Dana. Kumara Usman is dominant. He takes this match within six days' notice. To me, this solidifies that Jorge Masvidal's next fight will be against Nate Diaz. And it will officially be for, like, the hemp title. I don't know. Highest motherfucker on the planet is hump op a thing. It can, be, it can just be straight up. Joe Rogan's the sponsor this time. It's not like The Rock, but it was more affordable. Okay. Well, to me, this is big, isn't it? I mean, Jorge loses, but it was a decision. It's not like he got KO'd or embarrassed. Well, a couple of people were trying to make the point that Jorge has a bunch of losses on his record. Now, Mason, I'm going to ask you this because we can move on to these other fights. But why are you so compelled to like him? Um, I think we talked about this before, but I've been following him for a while. He fought he fought a guy from my hometown uh, that I actually was training with um, for a while named Billy Evangelista back in the Strike Force days. Mm-hmm. So he, he's been on my radar for a while. But then, yeah, obviously, I mean, from, from the backyard fights to – um, he was kind of like a 50-50 fighter fighting in strike force, Bodog, he was fighting in China, and then came to the UFC, kind of was still 50-50, and then all of a sudden comes back and then just starts murking guys. Uh, 
So yeah, I don't I don't know what it is, man. Uh, I've been a fan of his for a while. His fighting style too, even in his fights where he plays more safe and more defensively, he has such slick striking. And defensively, I think he's one of the best, if not the best, strikers on the roster. Yeah, and I would tell you this to the people who were doubting his his pull. Conor McGregor would lose these fights, but still be a draw. So I think what we've crossed over here is, yeah, records do matter, and you can build to being a star. But I think independent of all that, Jorge Masvidal is just an interesting person that people want to see, who has some knockout power, but again, matched up against Kamaru Usman, uh, you know, uh, it was a rough time. And it led me to believe, unfortunately that even with a full camp, I still feel that Trevor would have had a game plan for Jorge Masvidal uh, because I think one thing that was underrated was Usman's chin, and I think he he can absorb a good shot. So footstops be damned. It was still a very impressive performance by Usman, and I, I think it's hard to really argue with the fact that he's a legitimate champ like it may not be the most exciting thing in the world to watch but he's very very good so that's what i got on that fight how did you have the alexander volkanovsky score against max holloway i thought it was three rounds to two for holloway but i knew that i knew that one of the rounds was really close but i thought Mm -hmm. max was going to get it i was super bummed out about that one i was too and i have to go back and rewatch that one i was trying to rewatch it um, before we did this show, but I think it's going to be a, one that I maybe sit down with somebody who I think has stronger boxing uh, than I do, which is basically anybody. But I would love to hear the opinion of uh, somebody who watched that because there were some people who were very, very vocal about Volkanovski winning three rounds. But to me, I just thought it was an impressive display by Max Holloway that really. I thought he did it. I thought he made the rounds count that he needed to make rounds count for. Yeah, I think it was that fifth round. Volkanovski hit a couple takedowns in the fifth, and it's obvious now that it was two rounds apiece going into the fifth, except one judge had Holloway up 3-1. Um, so I think Volkanovski pulled it off in that in that last round, and maybe Max got comfortable. Maybe he thought he had three rounds in the bag and uh, didn't uh, wasn't too worried about losing the fifth. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I... Either way, I think Max should get a rematch. It does suck because now he's he's 0-2 against Volkanovski, but it would be nice for them to run it back again. I don't know who the next contender would be in that in that division. There's been some talk of a number of people, but Dana did seem to express maybe some idea of not having a problem running it back. Volkanovski's like, I've closed this chapter, and this is the moment that I felt like uh, was unfortunate of him because I was like, yeah, buddy, you, you don't get to decide that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah, on a high pay-per-view, this one. I think, you know, with a good return on this, that means a lot of people saw it. I think they'd watch that one again. Now, Kev, you didn't, I don't know if you got to see this, but Peter Jan and Jose Aldo featured one of the most unfortunate, my God, stop this match uh, moments. This is the one more... they caught Rogan on tape. Say, on tape. I'm, what am I, 80? <laughs> Um, this is the one Rogan's hot on the mic being like, stop this fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, Rogan, R- Rogan did a, a fight companion and it was rough. Kev. I mean, Jose has been, I mean, this is tough, but this isn't cr- unexpected. 
Jose has been bad since before he lost to Conor but McGregor. Let's be very clear. Jose was actually putting up a much better fight in this one. And Peter, to his credit, is just a much better fighter. And, you know, Jose Aldo had some moments and he went to the fifth round with them. So a credit to him on that. But there was not any really part of me that thought, oh, yeah, he's going to win this. I just thought there were some moments where I said, man, that's that's a little good Jose Aldo. And here's some leg kicks that we used to see from him that didn't really exist here. Did you have anything different on the opinion on that, Mason? No. Uh, yeah, I actually, I mean, in the first couple rounds, I thought Aldo looked sharp. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for him to bring back the leg kicks. Yeah, you didn't see the leg kicks in either of his Holloway fights. And uh, he tried to box Holloway, and Holloway pieced him up. So, yeah, I thought Vintage Aldo was back, but I think his age and just the wear and tear um, from all of his wars got to him. Uh, and and uh, Peter Jan's younger, the fresher fighter, and, yeah, he took over at the end there. I, I think Aldo won. He won one or two of the first rounds, yeah. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Well, talk to me about this, because Thug Rose and Jessica had a pretty fun fight. Yeah, yep. Um, scary at the end there for Rose. I, I didn't think I, I didn't think that uh, Andrade really was going to have a chance when Rose was keeping her at, at distance, but Andrade ended up uh, in the end there. She turned into the tank that she, she fights like sometimes, and she was almost able to pull it off at the end. She rocked Rose a couple times. So, yeah, it was a good fight. Yeah, I, I definitely like that. If that went to five rounds, though, I, I didn't love Rose's chances. Um, but it begs the question, what do you see happening with that division now with that performance? Yeah, I think you do Rose and uh, Wei Li Yang next. I think that one's next. I think Joanna probably um, might need one more win to get another title shot. So I, I think Rose is going to get the shot now. And that's a great fight, too. Absolutely. All right. Uh, obviously... Amanda Rivas uh, had some had some complications for your your boo, uh, Paige Van Zant. How much did it hurt watching that, Mason? Um, you know what? I actually we missed that fight because we were at the hotel in Portland. We couldn't we couldn't order it um, at the hotel because it's only on ESPN Plus. We called a bar. Um, to see if they were playing it. They said yes, and then we showed up there, and then they weren't playing it. <laughs> no. So we missed the first fight. Yeah, we missed it. But, yeah, I, I, I rewatched it. Um, man, I just think, uh, yeah, Rebus was too much for her, man. She she came in, and she was trying to make it kind of like a dirty dog fight, and, uh, and she got caught. Okay. Rebus is, is slick, man. She has good stand-up, and she showed that her jiu-jitsu game is no joke. I mean, oof, it was it was hard to watch. But Kevin, here's the even more harder thing to watch. Afterwards, they asked Dana White, well, you know, it was her last fight and she's been testing the water she wants to say about going there. She says that she's worth more and she made all this money. So she's been talking about how she made more on Dancing with the Stars than she has her whole fighting career. Do you know what Dana said? Just take a guess. Go back to Dancing with the Stars. He basically said afterwards, you know, she should go ahead and test fucking free agency, which is essentially his fuck off. Get out of here. So it's an interesting thing because I understand wins are important in MMA, but it's a nice, convenient way for Dana to sideswipe the pay conversation because a fighter loses. 
uh, which is always kind of a convenient excuse where it's like, well, they lost, so uh, fuck them, you know, which is like, well, that doesn't really get away from the point. Other people aren't making money, Dana, so touche on whatever you have to say. If you didn't get to see that, let me just fill you on in a couple little quick highlights and then we'll get to business. But Yuri Pachoka's fucking knockout was concerning. And here's why. Yuri basically was leaving his hands down for the bulk of the fight and inviting Vulcan to try and hit him. And he connected a couple times with some stiff jabs and a couple little overhands that seemed to stun Yuri, which made it a very bad-looking proposition. But a little into the second round, comes out with a night-night punch for Vulcan Ozmir, and it was concerning. So... It was a very interesting prospect. He was a very big underdog, but he came in and ended up winning that thing. Also, Marquan Armani got a very cool anaconda choke in the middle of his fight, so that was stoked to see. But the rest of it was a little decision-friendly, and also kudos to Davy Grant, who ended up getting a KO punch to begin the evening. Kevin, do we have some results to talk about? Yes, we do, Brad. Okay. And it was close. Mm-hmm. It was very okay. close. How do you think you did, Fowler Hardly Knower team? Um, I would say that I won by two fights. My guess. <laughs> I love the bold confidence of like, I have nothing to back this on, but I feel I won. <laughs> what am I going to say? Uh, I probably lost your way better than me at everything. Well, <laughs> not I mean not at putting verbal tap into practice apparently. You uh you've ex- <laughs> you've excelled at that. This is tough, Raf. Uh mm. this one's tough. It is an 8 to 7 finale. And all oh, I can wow. think is if I had just taken Thug Rose, it would be 8 to 8 and I could ride this into overtime. But I can't. Ozdemir loses. Bogotov's a piece of S. And despite getting four of the five main events correct and making almost 74% of my original wager on DraftKings, I lost somehow in a second controversial win to Mason Fowler, who's arguably... Two and oh, oh and two on the weekend. Who can tell? Who who can tell? I feel another I'm just another asterisk in his trail. I feel like my motto's just gonna be like, eh, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about, even from like a kinda that's talking smack a little bit. It's like, oh, were people saying maybe Craig didn't tap? Uh I'll take it. <laughs> it's like, I, when, I heard him scream. I'll take yeah, it. When he does this all the way through the next ADCC and he stands up with a gold medal and a podium, and he's like, ah, you know, just yeah. whatever, guys. It just happened. Verbal tap. <laughs> it just throws it up. And the best part is it's going to be still then Calterra is going to be like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a black belt on him. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. In fact, I can also like semi see Kyle being like, truthfully, I thought it was a purple belt performance. 
<laughs> I might, he might demote. Yeah, he might demote me. <laughs> well, a, lot, a lot of people do that at IBJJF. <laughs> oh man, promote people. God, I would love to see a few demotions. That would really make my heart just be like, all right, the world's in balance. It's like you lose to an Atos brown belt, and Kyle's just like, nope. That won't cut it. <laughs> we got we to gotta get Mason a new belt. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That will not happen. Does anyone remember what the bet was? I've completely forgotten. I feel like I owe him a T-shirt, maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was it. Does anybody Mason, remember? Mason does have a good memory. It is a shirt, so he gets a verbal tap shirt, which, by the way. <sighs> he's I earned it, it, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, shouldn't I send him 20 oh. after the press? But uh, what size are you, sir? large i'll see if we have an a large yeah that's i mean listen dude you really did earn that and i feel like um wow you know what the best part about it is i want you to take a picture of it but i also (laughs) i know (laughs) the best part is so i've literally tried to put on two or three posts like when they go, what do you think of the result? And I'm like, it's good business for us. I'm not complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would just tell you this. <sighs> I mean, it's pretty funny. And if it was anybody other than Craig, I might feel a little bit of sympathy. But like Craig's family too with us here on the show. So he understands. And he has a verbal tap t-shirt himself. So he can shut the fuck up. He's fine. Well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and start around third, making our way to home plate. Mason, the next submission underground is, I believe, August 30th. Do we expect the rematch at that one, or do we have something coming up before then? No, yeah. I, uh, I have gotten a couple offers, but I definitely want to focus on that. I think that's uh, more important for now. And... Uh, yeah, I'm glad that there's more time because after the last tournament, there was like less than three weeks to prepare for Craig. You know what I mean? So now I'm going to have a lot more time to prepare. Um, like I said, I, I'm not as experienced in the EBI overtimes. I'm not as experienced in the sub-only format. So I think that extra, um, those extra couple weeks is going to help a lot with the preparation. Contrary to internet rumors, he's going to have to look back into it. It's going to be... Well, Mason, to me, you're the hottest, and I know this is going to be tough for you, especially from a humility perspective, but you're the hottest grappler essentially on the planet right now. So you have to make some demands to make people start putting, like, carrots in your dressing room. Just think about it. Yeah. No, Submission Underground takes care of us, man. They they put us up in a nice room. Um, That's actually, I want to give give a shout-out to them, Raph. We don't, you know, frequently we hear... A lot of, and I, I made, I made a mental note of this earlier, but I think it's important because we have frequently been very critical of grappling communities and specifically organizers that we feel aren't providing that extra cushion to the grapplers that that they deserve. And you're describing a very different situation, as we've heard a lot of people describe submission underground that that they pay the fighters, they take care of people. So that's great to hear, right? And it's a compliment to them. That's why we watch. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't heard any negativity from the competitors. Everyone's usually really happy afterwards. And uh, 
everyone's in a good mood and uh it's it's a cool show man chell's chell's real cool with everyone and uh he treats all the competitors really well i think it's because he was a high level competitor himself you know i think that's where that comes from He's gonna be really pissed when he hears you hears you say "was" in that sentence. But I I am with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> Rap. How do we get? I think uh, he's retired now. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think so. He fought Galvo. Well, sorry, Joe. He is a guy who's retired a couple times. I was like, he was retired so, before he went to Bellator. He'll fight. You know, somebody and, and the ni- somebody get the his, nice part got, about his it is. the back of his hairs up. He'll be out there in a heartbeat. The nice part about it is he's also a guy who basically got to do the dad stepping out to go have a competition at ADCC a couple years ago when he, quote, beat Leo and then got to have his first infatuation with Craig Jones in the absolute. So, like, that was where the love affair began with Craig with him. So, you know. They had a good run, and now you're the twinkle in his eye. So, congrats to you, man. Thanks, bro. <laughs> you, God, <laughs> Mason, I want to be very, so I want to be very clear about this. Um, it was very cool to watch you have a moment, and I, I hate that it was stymied just a little bit, but I think that you've taken it with good perspective. I was really glad that you put that post out for Craig, and you said that you'll give a rematch. I think it shows your character and I think that it, it's representative of, like you said, if you were trying to be somebody else, it might come off as phony, but it's who we know and it's who we've known for a while. So I think that independent of all the controversy, whatever it is, uh, you've been putting out a lot of really good work. And I think that we all get behind those who put in uh, the work to get the recognition they deserve. So for all of that and more, we are very pleased for you, sir. Thanks, man, and thanks for uh, for reaching out and letting me kind of get some of my thoughts out there as well. I appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. I mean, listen, it was just funny where I was like, you know, with other guests, we might also ask the hard questions, but I knew at the very least, I was like, well, Mason could kind of roll with some of our punches because some of them are just going to be obscene because it's just a ridiculous situation. Kevin trying to get him to fight. The situation is just crazy, so (laughs) yeah, I expected it. Yeah, well, you took it on the chin pretty nicely. Uh, Unlike Craig, boom! Got him one more time. Anyway, Mason, where can the people find you? Where can they uh, see your sponsors? All that good stuff. Brand yourself, sir. Uh, yeah, so uh, my Instagram is Mason Fowler MMA, and uh, yeah, I had man, I had so many sponsors. I don't want to like name every single one. A lot of people supported me for for the two uh, Submission Underground competitions, and my main one is uh, Moya Brand. And uh, that's it, man. Shout out to uh, Kyle and CTA, and uh, time to get back to work and start training for the dream match. Beautiful. Do you still have that Poke sponsor? Yep, Hawaiian Poke Bowl. Yep. Fuck off! Wow, it's just we're gonna go there tomorrow. Yeah, we already got plans to hit hit our spot up. This guy, gross. Well, Well, you do it. I can't. (laughs) Well, Kev, you have to do it because you lost. Mason Fowler, the world's most interesting grappler, beat Craig Jones. Blah blah blah. Has a Pokeball sponsor. (laughs) Mason, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. 
number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Please note, the new number is... <laughs>